Football is back, and right now, Bet365 offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football, with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through graphics and text. A bit like watching teletext for the results when I was a kid. Um, Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, brought to you by The Athletic. This is a podcast all about Newcastle United, and football is back, officially. Project Restart has restarted, I suppose. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Newcastle were back with a bang against Sheffield United on Sunday, and then continued with a bit of a wet fart against Aston Villa tonight. Chris Woff, Sergeant Waffles... Uncle Wafflington, he was there in all of his glory in the stupefying heat of St. James's Park. Chris, how was it? How are you? I'm all right now, now that the game's over and I'm back home because it was, it was, <laughs> it was, uh, compared to Sunday, it was fairly turgid. I mean, Sunday for 45 minutes wasn't great either, but, but second no. half was, 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 uh, actually enjoyable, which is strange that you can actually enjoy the last 20 minutes of a game because Newcastle was so comfortable. But today, I, it was certainly first half. Newcastle were, really looked like uh, they lacked energy. I mean, the heat certainly didn't help. It was very, very mm. hot at St James's Park, about twenty three, twenty four degrees. You can see where these June fixtures are completely different to what Premier League footballers will be used to. The, 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 this is Newcastle. Haven't played, I think it was forty seven was the last time Newcastle played uh, a June league fixture, and wow. um, you could you could just tell that that that. that players of both sides um, were struggling a little bit to the conditions and also the, just the volume of football. It was Villa's third game in a week. Newcastle have another game on Sunday, obviously a huge game coming up, and, and have 10 games to navigate in the space of about six weeks. And, and really the conditions and the, and the volume of matches, I think, unfortunately, we may have to get used to a few halves of football like we've seen so far, which yes. haven't been ideal. Oh, well, Chris, he only asked how you were. <laughs> he didn't. He also asked how the game was. Oh. Are, you anyway, are you all right, George? Were, How are you doing? Those, are you okay? Well, I'm all right. Yeah, no, that was music to my ears, actually. It was sort of that turgid, the, the, the use of the word turgid in relation to Newcastle. That's just that's just beautiful, poetic music to my ears. because Familiarity that is, is back. Yes, and I said this on Twitter. It's like, Newcastle are so bad, it's just beautifully reassuring that all in, in this crazy, mixed-up, mad world of ours that so much has changed and so much will never be the same again that... Newcastle United can just be perfectly turgid. Um, so I was sort of quite, I was quite happily reassured by that. I mean, it was frigging awful. Um, yes, it was. For, for long, for, particularly for the first half. And Chris is right. I'm sure this is going to be a sign of, uh, a sign of things to come. But it was, it was kind of, yeah, I just, it just, yeah, we're back. We're turgid. We absolutely are. We're back. Um, I mean, let's be honest though. It's it's four points out of two games from from the restart. Are we are we happy with that? Was is that the kind of uh, the kind of start we were looking for, Chris? Yeah, I think that's a very good start. I know it's two home games, um, but one of them's against a team who 
we talked about as Champions League contenders just a, about a week ago. I know they've had an awful week, really, including against Newcastle. But Sheffield United uh, came to Newcastle, and I think a lot of people fancy Sheffield United. And then, and then Villa. I mean, it, it helps that they had ten men for a lot of the game, doesn't it, Chris? You know, I mean, I mean Aston, I, Aston Villa weren't as courteous to us today. They didn't want to play with ten <laughs> men, which is just not fair, is it? Really? No, they didn't. But I have to be honest, I was disappointed <laughs> with Sheffield United in general in the first half on Sunday. Mm. I thought for a team who have been built on high energy not given the opposition room smothering them I thought that they looked quite lethargic I don't think they've come back at all the same side and I think that a lot of people who watch more Sheffield United than me have, have said likewise and although Newcastle weren't great during the first half of that match I thought even the 10 men certainly changed the game but I I just felt Newcastle was starting to get a grip on the on the match I, I, that during the start of that second half and, and in the end mm. it was comfortable I mean, that was what was more surreal almost than being inside an empty St James's Park was that for the final 20 minutes of the game you knew Newcastle were going to win and I cannot yeah. remember the last time that has happened. Um, and so, so as surreal as the whole day was, that was probably the strangest moment on it on 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 Sunday. Yes, I mean the big. That's the big. That is the big picture. And all joking aside, um, four points from these first two games is massive, and that is enough. You know, that's enough. I mean, we've sort you of think that's us safe now, George. That's oh it. yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I'm sure it is. And that the first game in terms of. You know, we'll come on and talk about it a bit more, I'm sure. But just in terms of that three points, if nothing else, I was so, you know, I'd kind of worked myself up into a state of sort of uh, nervousness before then. Uh, you know, we talked about this a bit. It's like I, I I, am of the of the kind of character who looks at those fixtures and thinks, no, we won't, we won't win that one or that one or that one yeah. or that one. And then, Jesus Christ, we're in crisis. And... Sheffield United would come into that all guns blazing. I just thought they, that they would. And I thought that was a really tricky first fixture. And although, yeah, Villa is has not been great, um, four points from those two games is is really good, is a really good re- return. And it's we're not talking about Liverpool or Barcelona here, but in mm. the context of Newcastle's very strange season and very difficult season yeah. in lots of ways, it's a big, that's a really big four points. It's been strange, hasn't it? I mean, I think one of the words I would have used for this evening's performance was leggy. I think there was a time when we looked leggy and not in a kind of the woman that Rod Stewart would be dating, not that kind of leggy. I mean, sort of looking knackered. I thought after about 40 (laughs) minutes, I thought we do look, some of us look like we are blown out of our arses here after 40 minutes. It was a bit, uh, it was a bit concerning, Chris. Do you think the fitness is going to be an issue? Well, I think that that's going to be an issue for all teams. Yeah, I just... uh, They've had three months without without football, and although they've all been staying very fit, doing uh, they've been doing cardio. Uh, obviously, all of these fitness a, programs have had. But... They've had a massive rest, Chris. Why? How can you, they be tired? No, but you lose match fit. You lose. I'm match doing fitness. a joke. That was a joke. That was my joke about tiredness. <laughs> Come on, they've had three oh, months God. off. Come on, it's good, George. But I wouldn't open with it if I was you. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to lighten things. Trying to lighten things a bit. Fine. Not bother. Get back in my box. I mean, the, the the big, the really big positive, I think, from the from the last two games, has been Alan Sam Maximan. Um, oh my word! Yes. I mean, tonight I thought first half he flattered to deceive a little bit. They were they were putting two men on him, and he sort of looked a bit like he wasn't overly interested first half. I don't know if that came across on the TV, but there's points where it just looked like, oh yeah, mm. I, I'm going to let him on. Whereas on, particularly against Sheffield United, what really impressed me about him was that whatever he did seemed to be more incisive. 
he was actually, rather than doing his tricks and flicks or whatever and maybe running down blind alleys and uh, trying to beat three men unnecessarily when he could just pass the ball, it looked like he was always trying to, to, to move the ball forward, to do something productive, to have that effect. And second half today, I thought the same as well. And he looks lean, he looks like he's come back in that real form. And if, if Newcastle had have any chance against Manchester City, then Alan Saint-Maximan attack is going to be crucial because whenever he gets the ball... You can see the opposition are worried. Whereas for the rest of it, when when other player, Newcastle players get the ball, you can see it's always a bit ponderous, a little bit slow. Where Sam Maximan just seems to I'm, have that dynamism. I'm worried when the rest of the team get the ball. It's <laughs> another joke. That's good, George. Yeah, that's doesn't two feel now. like it's going very. Well. It doesn't feel like it's going very well. The jokes. <laughs> I might stop. I might just get angry and grumpy again. Oh God. Uh, what I will say, just before we go any further, is if you uh, are tired of George's jokes and you wish to take a little break, sign up today for a 40% discount on The Athletic simply by visiting theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and enjoy the best football writing and ad free podcasts just as the Premier League returns. And that's less than £3 a month and you can cancel at any time. That's not even as much as what you spend on sausages, Chris. That's That's a... That's an absolute bargain. It is an absolute bargain. I mean, given yeah. all of the content we've had recently, I would particularly point people towards, uh, and I know it isn't Father's <laughs> Day anymore, but George's piece from last Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. Emotional oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yes. I'll be honest with you, George. I've got to give you a mild bollock in here for that because I clicked on that thinking, oh, Father's Day, it's going to be nice, easy read. Father's Day, Sunday morning, lying in bed. My kids had made me breakfast in bed. Uh, and I'm lying there, and I thought, I'll just read this. And I had a look, and within five minutes, I was in floods of tears. So thank you for that. Well, uh, I have to be careful because I don't want to get I don't want to get emotional. But uh, so mm. I'll have to stop doing jokes. It was now, beautiful. So that's a bit, that's a bit was... annoying. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a tough time. So the, mm. the fella, my stepdad, who first took us to uh, St James's Park when I was eight, many many decades ago, um, has had coronavirus and. Um, Came out of hospital after 10 weeks in which he'd been uh, in intensive care three times and had pneumonia three times um, and is now home, which is incredible. It's not something that uh, at various points we thought uh, would happen and there were some very, very dark moments. I mean, obviously for for him um, more than anybody else, but uh, for the the family too. And so I... I kind of wanted to find some way of kind of expressing my emotion and the way I can sort of do that really is by writing. And yeah. it's made me think a lot more about, I mean, we're all thinking about football when there's no fans in the stadium and we're all thinking about football when there's no, you know, football full stop. And then with the kind of limbo of that and the limbo of of, uh, of sort of everything else, it was, I kind of wanted to write about what he he meant to me and and all that and obviously with it being father's day and newcastle's first first game back after lockdown that seemed like a good reason to celebrate his his homecoming but um absolutely the 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 funny thing was i actually i went to see him on father's day there was a mild panic in the morning because um he was really looking forward to watching the march and his his sky went on the blink so um there could have been a, a slightly different um slightly different ending to that story but um but anyway he got it working and was very very pleased with the win Fantastic. I mean, if you haven't read that and you are listening, I implore you to go and have a look at that on the website. It's absolutely wonderful piece of uh, a wonderful piece of writing. Um, let's uh, go back to the game anyway. Chris, you've been in the stadium for the last for those two games, haven't you? What's it like in the stadium inside St James's Park without without the uh, the fans there? I can imagine all you can hear is Matt Ritchie bollocking everyone within five yards of him. But what what's going on? Like what what what's it like inside the stadium? 
Well, there is only one way you can get into the stadium when you arrive now. So there is the three zones to the stadium. There's a green zone, which is basically where you drive up to the side of the stadium and now Sounds we like would the crystal park maze them at the multi- Yeah, oh yeah. And, I mean it's not it's not as fun as the crystal maze unfortunately. There's no there's, there's, there's no Aztec zone or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> Lee Chonley stand on a corner playing the harmonica for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. You pull into the car park and then and and on your way in you you, you checked on the way in in terms of to to see that you are one of the three there's only 300 maximum personnel allowed into the stadium and then um, you have to enter through what is essentially the Milburn reception and go up to, to level six, having been uh, temperature tested on the way in. You've got to fill in a questionnaire, health questionnaire, You've got to be wearing a face mask the whole time. And so we, wow. as the as the written media, have actually been moved for social distancing purposes. So the press box itself uh, has the the radio personnel. So we're actually further back in this. We're, we're further up on level six, uh, watching it from a different view. Um, mm. So I'm getting a different perspective to how I usually would. It's very good for sort of. I was going to say it's very good for a tactical spe- perspective, but it really wasn't tonight because it was just awful. Um, but but it, it's <laughs> to see how bad things are from a distance. <laughs> yeah, to see things yeah. from above. But in terms of in terms of the hearing the players, I mean, you can hear Matt Ritchie from there. You can't hear. You can hear other people, but just it's sort of muffled shouting. But you can hear Matt Ritchie just bollocking all of his teammates and just shouting <laughs> constantly all the way Brilliant. through. I mean, he is he is just incessant. It's it's exactly you what you need. He's, he is the driving force. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you can hear him from my front room. That's what the telly on. It was sort. Of, I sort of had a rose tinted second half view, obviously on on Sunday, and it didn't seem quite as bad. Um, obviously it was awful there weren't fans in there but then you leave and you think oh Newcastle have won 3-0 so you sort of have a positive slant but then tonight was sort of the full experience of what it's like to not have supporters because in those lull moments the moments when the ball's out of play they feel so much longer because there isn't any atmosphere there there's no noise there's nothing going on at all you don't have fans to give you that to give energy to the game to, to give it that real buzz and so it, it was for example when the game kicked off tonight for the, the first kickoff you, you sort of just it, it, it feels like an anti-climax because you, yeah. you expect yeah, noise, yeah. and instead there's just no, nothing. Just there's just silence as soon as the, as soon as the whistle goes and the ball gets played. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell everyone that it's surreal and it's not the same, and and really mm. is is missing support as as Steve Bruce is, as, and everyone else has has rightly said. But it, I mean, we we recognise how privileged we are as the media to be in there when obviously fans can't be but I hope I hope yeah. that, that fans can return soon because it really it really isn't the football that we know and love I've noticed the difference with the actual commentators on the TV as well listening to the commentators commentating on the game now you'd think that wouldn't be any different but I've got a feeling the an- the anticipation the excitement of the crowd actually you know that bleeds over to the commentator and he gets swept up in all that excitement uh, and I was watching Match of the Day the other the other day and I just one of the commentators went no oh, yeah, it's a goal Oh, nice one. And it was like, oh, come on, man, it's a goal, you know, somebody's going to be really happy about this, but it doesn't seem to be you. So it was, yeah, I think it's been really weird, George. How have you how have you felt watching it? Have you felt that it's been a, an alien experience to you? Is this is this football as you know and love it? Well, even the fake crowd needed the team to get them going to, tonight, and, um, <laughs> yeah. and that didn't happen. I was, I was obviously watching BT Sport, and the fake crowd noise was incredibly faint. I couldn't work out how to turn turn it off or to find the right channel yeah. some plus HD plus plus extra large plus yeah. whatever 
and but it but it was so quiet it didn't actually matter so i hate the fake noise actually i know some people like it or prefer it it's already fake enough i mean the experience is already fake enough without making it more fake i think so i prefer to just have the silence because at least that's real no i mean it's exactly you know it's exactly sort of what i thought i mean my opinion hasn't changed i you know i hate it as i said in the piece about my stepdad by the end i was just so happy that he was ho- kind of so happy that he was home and looking forward to watching the match that i you know i wanted them there to to play and you know it is i think it's sort of a relief for all of us to have to have football to talk about and think about and something else but in terms of the experience i just think it shows exactly why fans are and should be and must always be the integral part of the of the whole experience because it's just it's it's awful without it and mm. no the commentators you know the commentators their voices rise and fall as the, a crowd do and if you i mean i love yeah. listening to i love listening to radio 5 i still love you know that old you know that idea of kind of huddling around the wireless and things like that and i love I love the commentators that the BBC have, but you know they're they're at their best when they're having to sort of roar to make themselves heard above the noise, and they're reflecting the emotion and the the passion and the sound that's coming through. And you know, it's this is why this is why football stadiums need to be full. This is why people need to be there because it's actually the fans who respond to the drama and add to it, and players. You know, players play up to the crowd and managers. It's all you know. So much of the game is about pantomime, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in a very affectionate way. It's about this sense of performance and putting on a show, or you know, whatever it is, or making a tackle, and everyone, you know, everyone kind of responds to it. And so it's just it's it's very different, and it's it's you know, I don't I don't like it, and I hope yeah. that. I mean, I've hoped a lot of things during um, lockdown, which I don't suppose are going to happen. But, but you know, you sort of hope that this reminds people why the the supporter is should be absolutely treated as the most important kind of player in the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned Alan St. Maximin earlier on. Uh, Chris, you were there tonight. Was there any other uh, players from from Newcastle who stood out to you tonight? Was anybody else uh, playing above themselves? I thought that. John Joe Shelby at times was the, the he was the one who was trying to probe and sort of spread the play and he can be frustrating but I, I thought that he was the one who, who who really just made that switch up in tempo at times and you can see you can see he is playing some good football under Steve Bruce and he is he is sort of uh, really playing with confidence under him. but I thought that the the player who made a, a big difference when he came on actually was Andy Carroll um, mm. and I mean he doesn't George is having a little wry chuckle there. <laughs> He is static. He is very much static, but he just brings that focal point. I actually thought Joel, I thought Joel in over the last couple of games has done a fair bit right. I know the, I know finishing wise, not not great, other than other than the goal against Sheffield United. But when Carroll comes on, you suddenly, I mean, the ball's almost. It just seems like it's attracted to him. And so mm. I know Newcastle go long, and I know I know it's frustrating, but he also. Yeah then it seems like there is something for, for the Newcastle players to play off. It feels like, it just feels there's more shape. It it it, it, it maybe doesn't come across that way on TV, but when, you, when you're in the ground, suddenly it feels, and, and Villa's defenders are, 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 were concerned about him. It was actually a brilliant pass as well for Dwight Gale's goal. So, it was superb. Um, 
Absolutely. So I know prob- it's a cliche, I but I know it's a cliche, but you know, like the big, the good feet for a big man thing. His touch is really good. He can stop the ball dead and then and, and put it where he wants it. I thought he looked pretty decent tonight when he came on. He he swaggered on as if he just stepped off a <laughs> set of a trucker niche trucker porno. He looked like. He looked like film. Lemmy off Motorhead, didn't he? He looked well. Oh, right, fine. No, you Lemmy off Motorhead, niche trucker porn <laughs> set. I nearly said that on Twitter, and then I kind of thought twice about it and thought, no, maybe I'll get sacked if I do that. So maybe I shouldn't say it on here either. But anyway, fuck it, I've said it now. So, um, but um, I know, and, and it's that thing where he just knows where to be. He can't always get there <laughs> because yeah. he can't move. But but he knows where to be, and he knows. And the same, of course, applies to to Dwight Gale. And I'm not having a go at I'm not having a go at Jalinton, but I am making the point that he just doesn't know where. I mean, he's got pace and he's got power and he's got the things that you want, but he does not have the instinct. He does not have that instinct, and we saw that in the first half, or you know, we certainly saw it in the way the team was set up in the first half when ASM got down, uh, got down the right yeah. and whipped in that brilliant ball Flashed across that the ball face, across and there was no one there to you know pushing for it or challenging it or. Or whatever, and Carroll does make a difference. At the same time, you know, I watch him and sort of think, you know, God, that he is so, sta- you know, he's just so static. But he knows how to win the ball, and he can get the ball in the air, and he can make. And Chris is right; he did make a difference, and they, and it was a great pass for the goal. And Gale, ha- you know, had that finishing touch, and you know they've got away with it this season. Um, but and you know, thank goodness, thank goodness they have. But um, you know. It's amazing what a difference it makes to have a to have a proper centre forward on the on the pitch. Chris, did you see that stat that was flying about tonight on Twitter where it said um, Andy Carroll has more assists in his last eight games than Mesut Ozil does in the last two years? <laughs> I hadn't seen that. No. How do you get your head around that? How do you reconcile that in your brain? That's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> it's strange because you, you watch him and you just think, how can how could someone that immobile? be effective but he is and and the frustration is just that obviously the fragility of his body and the fact that you know that he's likely to break down unfortunately at various points but yeah when bruce says and i know people dry get a wry smile when they do but when bruce says a, a, a fit andy carroll would 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 improve more squads i think i think 12 13 teams in the premier league probably would take him as a sort of third or fourth striker in that sense if you can get him fit but that is the big question mm. which has always been with them but for newcastle given the lack of goals and the lack of forward options they have i do i can see the logic in keeping him on for another year even if it is that he mm. only plays a handful of games next season just as a third or fourth choice he certainly won't certainly wouldn't want to be relying on him but i do think he just he is that just different options well that battering ram you bring him on yeah. And you go route one if 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 you need if needs be, and he, he's very different to Joe Linton, but I also think in many ways he's he's more effective certainly in the in the latter part mm. of matches. So um, unfortunately, Chris, you're going to have to leave us now, aren't you? Because you've got some bits and pieces to do, and me and George are going to continue on and talk stuff about you behind your back while you're not here. How does that sound? That sounds uh, plausible <laughs> and likely. Yeah, <laughs> sounds <laughs> likely. Can't wait. So, Chris, just before you go, I just want to, um, I just want to play this for you, mate. Waffles. Oh, come on, you know. Waffles. Waffles. It's not funny. Waffles. 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 Waffles.
well. That's for you, Chris. Wow. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you. You enjoyed that. <laughs> didn't sound massively. Didn't sound massively sincere. That did it. My son was. My son was sitting watching cartoons this afternoon, and I was in the kitchen messing about, and I heard that come on the TV, and I nearly fell on the floor laughing. It was incredible, and I thought, if I don't play this tonight for Chris, I'm going to regret it forever. Well, thank you very much. That's a that's, no problem, that's, mate. that's a send off I needed, so I appreciate it. Lovely that. stuff. You look after yourself, mate. You take care. Yeah, Likewise. give us three rings when you get in. All right. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> Try. See ya. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Harry's sponsors, Pod on the Tyne. Uh, as a listener to the podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. And going to harrys.com, uh, Pod on the Tyne, right now, we'll get you that trial pack. That's harrys.com forward slash pod on the time. How come I have to read these all the time? Why can't we get George to do one of these sometime? George, you're the one who's used these Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. <laughs> I can do that. Wonderful. If you want me to do that, I'll just clip clip that. Here we go. <clears throat> Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. That's all right. I'd buy a razor. I'd buy that razor. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Right, now it's just us. What are we going to say about... We could talk about the good match. Let's do that. <laughs> Chris sounded it was really good. grumpy. Do you not think he sounded really grumpy? I think he's he tired. Have, yeah, he mustn't have got sausage this week. That's what it is. No, he's got work to do as well, so I know I know that feeling. But he Bless sort him. of took on... He, I tried to... I mean, not that he's ever funny, but I took. I tried to take on the light role, and he, he was the sort of grumpy one there. Yeah, I love kind of switched. Song. It's like Freaky Friday. You've switched positions, yeah, haven't sorry. you? Sorry. Yeah. Anyway... Sheffield United game on Sunday. That was all right, wasn't it? It was brilliant. I mean, well, it wasn't brilliant. Let's. <laughs> I mean, I think again. I no, think no. It, the it, first it, half it was turgid. <laughs> it was it, it was adequate, and I'm really quite excited about that. Um, yeah. No, the yeah, the first half was turgid, and then you know they were they were they were they were good, and you could see why that system kind of works a lot better and mm. suits them. And yeah, I mean, I think. I think certainly my response to it was sort of tinged by the relief that we were talking about earlier. But um, they look good. You know, they actually look decent. And um, there is, you know, that is the way, that's the way forward. It it didn't it didn't work so well against Villa. They looked, and they did look tired. And they, as you say, they looked leggy. But, um, you know, they, ha- and so he's going to have to kind of freshen it up, I think, at the weekend, or at least I would expect that. But, um it is a. They found a way of playing finally this season that at least allows their forward players to kind of get forward, and mm-hmm. um, you know that sort of provides that bit of attacking spark. I thought. I mean, it's going to be massively important. This the, the way things are at the minute, and the situation we're in with the five substitutes and the the climate, the additional heat and stuff like that. That you know that that squad is used to its full potential and you know potential injuries and stuff like that are going to be coming in and happening and we're just going to have to rotate I mean he started the same team tonight as he did against Sheffield United and on one hand you would say well they won so why would you change a winning formula but on the other hand you think well maybe a couple of those players looked a little bit tired tonight even in the first half so it, it might have been worth freshening things up a little bit before the game yeah I was a bit surprised by that I have to say I mean certainly in the normal scheme of things you would say 
you know well i mean perhaps not in the in the modern era quite so much but you know certainly certainly back in the day you would say you don't change your winning team or there's no reason to change your winning team that isn't sort of the case anymore because football has become so much more of a squad game you know for me once they've won against sheffield united man city should really be the priority and absolutely uh, yeah. you know so I did sort of think he might um, he might switch things around a bit. I'm a bit concerned to have heard Pep Guardiola speak this week about him prioritising the cup game mm, yeah. um, because obviously they can't win the league. So in that sense, it's not surprising. But um, so that fills me with. Well, I mean, come on! I was always I was always going to be feeling trepidation before before uh, a home game against Man City because you yeah. just would, but. But yeah, so we'll have to see have to see how things play out in the next kind of 24, 48 hours because of course, um, who came off in that game? Hayden came off and Matt Ritchie yeah. came off and they look to be struggling a little bit. So yeah. hopefully hopefully they're okay because they are such important uh, components in the team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how good was Hayden on, on Sunday, mind, against Sheffield United? He just I goes just thought, about his business, doesn't he? Yeah. Just no nonsense. I don't have to explain my love of Isaac Hayden to <laughs> no, you don't. Our, our our listener, as you referred to um, them at the start of the show. I hope there's more Dear than one. Dear listener. I, thought he was, I just thought he was great. I mean, he's such a modest lad. Um, mm. You know, he sort of refers to himself as a work in progress and, and things like that. But he's he has he's come on. I mean, he has come on so much in the last sort of 18 months, two years. And I just thought it was a really good performance and that sort of had a bit you know he's a he's you know he's a defensive midfield player he's not going to go up the pitch and and um do a mazy dribble and score a goal but he provides John Joe Shelby's legs for him which is important in the team and he offers more than that but he he you know he does when he's kind of playing well you see that sort of Arsenal background in him you know that he's comfortable on the ball and he knows what to do with it and he rarely wastes it um, even if he's not doing something sort of spectacular with it, I, lo- I love him as a footballer, and I just think he's a. I think he's um, he's very he's been very underrated, and I, he is the fact that he's a smashing fella on top of that is, um, you know, who has his own story of finding things very difficult here, but then, you know, but also being very appreciative of the club and kind of falling in love with it in an, in in a way too. And I'm just I'm really pleased he's. I'm really pleased he's still here. He has only got a year left on his contract, and I know we've all been thinking a lot about people like Matty Longstaff and um, those others who fall out of contract. I don't know, but I hope that the club, in spite of the sort of strange circumstances at the moment, are thinking thinking about him too. Yeah, I would love to think that there'll be an offer there for him to, to stay on. I mean, he's only 25. He's still got a good few years in his, in, in his legs, and he's he could be... Developing even better in the next couple of years. Developing even better. That's a ridiculous thing to say, Taylor. No, he could develop even more. He could develop even more over the next over the next couple of years and he could he could become a really important player for us. I mean he already is. There was times on Sunday when he was popping up um in the left back position to put in tackles covering Danny Rose and then five minutes later popping up in the right back position to cover Javier Manquillo. He does he does the donkey work and the dirty stuff that you don't see, and he's not fashionable, and he doesn't—he's um, not flashing anyway. But every team who's ever done anything needs one of those players, don't they? They need a grafter, and they need a guy who's just going to, you know, forego all of the glitz and the glamour and the, you know, screamers from forty yards and dribbling past five players 
to just do the the hard yards and and put the work in. And I think he's shown himself to be a fantastic servant for Newcastle over the last you know the last few years. He's he's a wonderful player, and I really do hope he stays. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. Um, looking ahead to, to Man City on Sunday as well, it's going to be a difficult game as we know. They're, they're a fantastic team, they've got some real quality in that squad um, and we've got a few injuries now as well by the looks of it coming off the back of tonight. What what do you think is going to be the uh, the approach on Sunday? Uh, is it is it going to be all out and go for it or do you think it's going to be a little bit more reserved and maybe try and hit City on the break? Yeah, I mean it's difficult. it's difficult to know. I mean I sort of thought after Sunday that um, that perhaps you know against Villa there would be a more there would be a sort of more aggressive approach, but Newcastle were just so passive um, at the start of the match against you know against a team like City. You often don't get the you don't often get the choice. I mean, so saying you know we'll take them on can often be a recipe for disaster. And mm, yeah. you know it's one of those games. You know Newcastle have actually got a pretty decent record against them recently. Um, but uh, you know, in relative terms, but it's the kind of game where you do have to be, you know, you do have to. Everybody has to be at hundred percent, and everybody has to concentrate one hundred percent because you, you know that if you attack them, you leave you'll you leave yourself so vulnerable uh, behind. You also know that they press so high, and so although you know that that does give an opportunity for a ball to St Maximum for example or to Almeron because they have the pace and trickery yeah. to take advantage of it you also know that one mistake in that position and then city city have the ball right up the pitch and you're you're you know you are you're in trouble bang in trouble at that point yeah and so you know it's all very well it's all very well saying take them on but you just sometimes don't get the don't get the choice against a team like city i mean newcastle have shown though that they're capable, you know, that they are capable of soaking up pressure and, you know, that that being a tactic and, you know, hitting hitting City on the break can work. And but everybody has to be up 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 for it and at it. I think it does become more difficult in an empty stadium, don't you? I mean, I just think it does. I oh, mean, I think God, one of yeah. the great you know, if we just have to think about what the atmosphere would have been would would have been like this weekend. Oh, if it would have been banging. Been it would have been Absolutely it would have been bouncing. great, you know. It would have been so exciting, and it would everyone would have been up for it. The pressure of the league would have been taken away. It might have been a slightly different crowd um, because it's a cup game, and you know we'd have all been at the pub. And well, I wouldn't have been because I'm a very professional journalist. I'd have been sipping from the hip flask that I carry into this. Oh shit, no. Um, um, you know, and we'd have been, you know, yeah. we'd have been absolutely up for it. And it won't be like that. And so I am, I am sort of much more fearful about it and you know how easy it is to sort of maintain that level of concentration um when it is in that sort of surreal environment i don't know 
there has been talk though this week of uh, and, and last week as well before we started these games without the crowds that it could potentially help some of our players. It could potentially uh, kind of lift that uh, the monkey off their back, so to speak, of of the pressure of a of a boiling St James's Park. Uh, and and I don't know, is that something that you would that you would kind of give any heed to? Would you think maybe it would help them not having the pressure of the crowd there? I don't think so, and I I just don't sort of. I don't accept that premise from the start. I mean, you know, if you come to Newcastle and don't enjoy the pressure of playing in front of 52,000 people, then there's something wrong with you. It's not a pressure, that's a privilege. And it's, um, you know, okay, fine. On days when it goes bad, it can be a very, it can be a heavy privilege, if you like. It can be be tough because it's a lot of people and it's a lot of people scrutinising you. And it's, uh, you know, there are days when the atmosphere at St James's feels heavy and it can feel heavy with foreboding. And I think we're also, it's also ingrained in, so many of us to think that when it's done, you know, we can smell when something's going wrong because we're so familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. But equally on those days when it's, you know, when it's alive, it's a force of nature arena and it's incredible and it's beautiful. And I don't think, to be honest, I don't think, I, I look at this team and I don't think that's really a, yeah, I, I was, and he said issue there, but I'm going to say issue, issue. No, I don't think, I, I just don't think that's an issue. And perhaps yeah. for the player it might have been, it would be somebody like Jalinton, possibly. Okay, fine. Yeah. So we all know now when he gets the ball, we're all going, oh, God, please do some... Oh, for f- oh God, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I haven't particularly noticed that changing. I mean, I know he scored against... I know he scored against Sheffield United, but I, I haven't noticed his sort of tension particularly lifting um, just because there's no crowd there. And so I think that's a bit of a... I, th- I Personally, I think that's a bit of a red herring. I mean, surely you yeah. want to play in front of a big crowd that's why you join the club oh, in the first yeah. place I was listening to talk sport the other day in the car and I heard a really interesting interview with Mikel Antonio who plays for West Ham and he was saying um, one of the problems that we have now as players is that we can't ignore the manager and pretend we haven't heard him <laughs> which I thought <laughs> yeah that's you know you, you kind of get away with anything now you know you, before well, you their manager is David Moyes their manager is David Moyes let's not forget that so <laughs> Speaking of gaffers, one more thing I want to I want to mention to you and, and talk to you about before we finish up. Steve Bruce um, took a lot of stick this season, I would say, at times, and some of it unfair, some of it, you know, um, probably a little bit uh, close. Uh, and I think, you know, has he has he done a job now where we where we can say, Steve, you've has done a fantastic job, and he's he's should have credit for what he's done this season. At times, the football has been horrific, but look at where we are in the league. Look at the points we've got. Um, and, and look at what we've achieved, and and I think it's time to is it is it time to start giving Steve Bruce some credit, George? Well, I mean, I think I think we've been in that position for a while now, and I mean, there are some you know, there are some people who would say that he should never have come to the club in the first place, and there are some people who um, just won't you know just won't and wouldn't accept that he's kind of good enough for the club. I mean, we've talked a lot about this kind of stuff this season. I wrote a piece quite near the start of the season where I actually asked him, I kind of tried to reflect some of this sort of very emotive language that's used about him. And I approached him at a just before a press conference and said, are you a clown? Are you a, I can't remember the other, are you a chump? Are you used? Yeah, I can't remember what the other word was. And of course, he very nearly punched me in the face, but but he knew what he knew what I was trying to say and yeah. knew what I was trying to do. And the point really that I was trying to make was that you can't manage in the Premier League for as long as he has and not know what you're doing and not be okay at your job. 
and that isn't to say that that isn't to say that he's the best manager in the world it isn't to say that he's as good as the man he's replaced but it is just to say that there's a level of competence there which i think you know we should mm. we should recognize and accept and you know i sometimes you can't avoid the evidence of your eyes and the football for long periods this season has been awful and it's regressed in some ways but you have to look at the league table and you have to look at the points total and if a manager deserves stick when the team loses games then the manager deserves at least a modicum yeah. of credit if they yeah. don't lose and if they win and I, I I kind of wrote when he joined the club when I was still at the Times I said I wish he hadn't you know I wish he hadn't joined the club at this moment I've known him for a long time and you know I don't I wouldn't want him to sort of be chewed up by this experience you know I I hope that you know I just sort of hope that people sort of can say that all right well the way things could have gone this season could have been much much worse and the fact that it hasn't been much, much worse, um, you know, is is warrant of recognition and just saying, okay, thanks, thanks for what you've done this season. I just think, that, you know, that's enough. I'm not trying to say that he would be the man to lead Newcastle into a, into a bright new era. Not that that's my, you know, decision to make, but I just think, yeah. you know, I would, I would like if and when he leaves the club for him to feel welcome to come back and not feel that he's been sort of battling against you know having to kind of battle against the club at the same time as trying to manage yeah. it i mean i think it has been a bruising experience for him but the the table the table is a is a very powerful argument in in his favor and <laughs> yeah, yeah i just think we should say you know nice one thank thanks very much absolutely i mean i was one of the i was one of the people when he got the job who thought what are we doing bringing steve bruce in i it, I, I always felt like, you know, any other club in the Premier League, would they have appointed him? Any any forward-looking club, would they have appointed him, you know? But this is Newcastle United, and it's a different beast to a lot of those other clubs. And it was kind of, the guy was was available, and we, we needed the manager. Um, and he, he came in, and I was disappointed with that after. And I think, to be honest, having gone from Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce, I think I was always going to be disappointed with who came in. I don't think it would have made a blind bit of difference who got that no. job. I think I would have still been disappointed. But what I have to say is I, I've warmed to him massively this season. There's been times when, like you say, the football's been awful. But as a bloke and as a guy doing a job and as a coach, I, I have to say I think he's done well. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if he's the man to lead Newcastle into a bright future, like you say. But you can't you can't not take your hat off to him this season. He's no, done the I mean, job. He's got those players playing. The one thing I hate is this sort of constant comparison with Rafa as well. I mean, fine, Absolutely, obviously, yeah. you know, when one goes, another comes in. You know, you you sort of you sort of do it by human nature. But it's like, you know, you've got this sort of story being told, whether it's you know pundits kind of almost trying to sort of lecture Newcastle fans about what they're watching with their own eyes, and they're kind of saying, you know, oh, he's Bruce, he's done a better job than Rafa, he's, you know, he's, he's much yeah. better, Rafa was terrible. And it's like a, a sort of rewriting of history. And the point is, you can't, you know, you can't compare consecutive managers over a consecutive season. I mean, if you've been in the Premier League for three years, you should be better than when you came into the Premier League in the first place. I mean, that's what happens. A team comes in and if if Newcastle was was a normal club, 
um, and a kind of massively forward-thinking club. You you get up, you stay up, and you start building, and you start building. So progress, you know, yeah. progress. That's so Newcastle should be better. And Newcastle spent sixty million quid in the summer. Now they happen to spend forty of it on Gillington, and so so that's both. You know that. I mean, in some ways, you can say that you know Newcastle are a worse team. They've spent a lot a lot of money, but they've then they lost most of their goals. And in some ways, so. In some ways, do we should we be giving Steve Bruce credit for actually navigating a way path through this season, in which most of it I don't want to say they've been playing with ten men, but they haven't been playing with a centre forward, and they've got to where they are, and they've had to find a way to get through games. And although it's been really horrible to watch for long spells of that, they've done it, and you know that's that is enough. That you know that is enough, surely, for us just to say, cheers, pal. If you had a fiver on Newcastle for uh, for Sunday, George, where would your money go? A Newcastle win on Sunday for the for the FA Cup? Um, go on, stick your neck out. Five nil. Who would I do? What would I do? Isaac I'm Hayden hat trick. <laughs> Isaac Hayden. I'd probably put. Yeah, that is what I would do actually because I'm a sentimental. I'm a sentimental better, so I'm therefore a terrible yes. better. So it's like I would, I would bet on. Isaac Hayden, first goal scorer, and probably get odds of about 90 to 1, and then, of course, waste my fiver. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, George. And uh, thanks to Chris as well. He is long gone. There's a good chance he's just in bed now, tucked up. Probably. What a yeah. lovely thought. Uh, Cradling Every a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, we shall speak to you soon. Don't forget to get onto theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for a 40% discount. Look after yourselves, and we shall talk to you next week. Cheers, George. See you later.